1: Following is a special KMOX sports presentation. Welcome to the Strike Zone. Powered by Grey Bar, your source for electrical and data communication products for more than 150 years. Now, the Strike Zone on America's Sports Voice, KMOX.
2: My name is Matt Pauly continuing to broadcast live from Bush Stadium after the Cardinals lose earlier today by a 6-3 score. Have you for one more hour as we take you till 8 o'clock. The immediate playoff future of the Cardinals. Dependent upon winning tomorrow as Miles Michaelis and Aaron Nola will match up. And if they don't win tomorrow, the season is over. Building the future is sponsored by Grey Bar Electric, headquartered in St. Louis. A great place to work. If you want to join us, we're talking through everything. A lot of people are very unhappy for a number of reasons. I'm here to talk you through it. Even if I don't agree with you, I'll give you a voice: 314 436 You can call, you can text, you can tweet at me at Matt Pauly on air. Uh, Mark has given us a call. Hey, Mark, you're on Sports Open Line.
3: Yes, uh, thanks for taking my call. And I just want to say to Cardinal Nation, relax. Uh, tomorrow is going to be a different, a different day for the St. Louis Cardinals. they got too many great players on this team and young, promising players on this team uh, to just lay down and, uh, and give up. I expect them to win uh, going away tomorrow and I expect to see uh, a game through a decisive game. Let me say this here to you. <clears throat> I think that um, when you look at managing great managers, one of the things that great managers do is always looking ahead and, and being ahead uh, in the game. And, of course, we talk about the White Red, Whitey Herzog, La Russa, and any other great manager you see, they're always thinking ahead uh, and all. Uh, and there is room. For old-school managing. Uh, for example, and I know it's been discussed, when do you take a starting pitcher out? Well, you know, Atana was uh, pitching a great game, only had two, uh, two hits, 75 pitches going into the, the sixth inning. He's pitching to a future Hall of Fame catcher. Yachty's calling a great game. It ain't broke. You don't need to fix it at that point. You save your bullets. You really you save your bullets until you really need them. Uh, this could have made the difference and would have made the difference. Um, you know if you wouldn't have put more pressure on your closer after coming off, uh, off from away from an injury. So say that just say for example, you know, Tana, uh he pitches the sixth inning. He could have completed the sixth inning and possibly complete the seventh inning, or at least get into the seventh inning. Then you come with your game plan, and you got Hicks and Gianna and somebody else I think they threw in there or what. Now you're only asking him to do what he's, he's done pretty much most of the, the year, pitch one inning, if you do that. And I think that when you've you got a, a good starter, you got a good starter, and they really pitch it, don't mess with them. Leave them alone. The, the old managers, they did that. They watched. They observed. And, and, and um, if it went seven innings, eight inners, pitch pitches a complete game. You know, just leave them alone. As long as they're doing good, leave them alone. And, but then they start walking people and everything. And when you're in a tight game, that's another thing great managers do. They have their bullpen ready just in case. It's better to have and not need than to need and not have. So you only got a two-run lead. So you have your bullpen warming up. So what? You don't have to use them, but if you have to use them, they're there. They're ready. They're ready to go. Whitey would have a right-hander. he have a left-hander. He's prepared. for whatever the situation is, you got a right-handed pitcher in the bullpen, a left-hander going. So when he gets ready to make his move, he, he's, not, he's not short in terms of time. You got to wait now. I know they got the new rule, and you got to pitch the three batters when you come in. But when you got a short lead like that, uh, only two, two to nothing, you go into the ninth inning, uh, even with your closer. See, everything is magnified in the playoffs. So when you start walking people, that's a sign in and of itself. I don't care who you are, injury or no injury. You know, you got to get them out of there. You know, it's not about walking people. So old school managing, still has a place in baseball. Even with the analytics and all the data that you have, you still got to have an eye. You got one of the greatest catches all time, calling a great game. You shouldn't have messed with it, Artana. You should have left him in there. Left him in Hi, there. Mark,
2: I appreciate the phone call and I get where you're going right there. I would have no problem. Again, it's it's the playoffs and it's a scoreless game. You want to blame somebody for all this? Like If if the Cardinals are up by a few runs at that point, if it's not a scoreless game, then Quintana can continue on. But when you, when it's a scoreless game, you as a manager have to get in front of moves where you, again, you would rather take a pitcher out too early than too late. And, yeah, the the idea of always having bullpen guys up and ready like that, in it that that sounds good, but in principle it's not because you don't want to always have the. There's a, again, there is a cost to warming up. There's a cost to having guys throwing in the bullpen. You're not always going to have guys uh, available just because a pitcher is pitching in the sixth or the seventh inning. It's when that signs of trouble. So again, it's about trying to stay ahead of something and not be behind something. This game plays out completely differently if the Cardinals can score. A couple runs, that anywhere pull out grounds into the double play, if they push across a run or two right there, then maybe you don't feel as much pressure to take Quintana out in that inning, trying to get in front of him, going through the order for a third time. Um, but it's just, yeah, it's a little bit different uh, in that spot. Chris has given us a call. Hey, Chris, you're on a Sports Open Lines, the Strike Zone. Yeah, thanks
4: for taking my call. Um, sorry to follow off the last caller, but um, I agree with a lot with some of his points. I mean, A couple of callers ago, uh, he was talking about, you know, keeping Katana in there. Uh, Katana actually did stay in for that third C at Wentz Schwarber, I believe, you know, and I think he made a really good move taking him out then. Uh, One thing you probably want to also think about is uh, Katana only pitched 75 pitches, so, you know, he's going to be really, really, really fresh for the next time he does make a start. That's one small thing there. But I think our, our manager did. A really good job, basically up to the eighth inning. Um, this is the playoffs. Um, when you have the tying run, when they announce it, uh, when, when the announcers announcing a you know, tying run's coming to the plate, know, that's not good. And then when you have the announcers announcing go ahead run is coming to the plate, there's issues there. And people in the bullpen should have been up, ready, soft tossing, ramping up. Um, I disagree with you um, with. Um, you know, I don't. You're not depleting your pitcher and the bullpens if they're just getting warmed up. in the bullpen, I think you should have had, you know, a couple guys ready to go. Um, and when you saw those two walks, um, I think a move should have been made. You know. And, so
2: when and, you say, and, can let me just get some clarification from you. When you say yeah. just getting warmed up, are you talking about guys actually throwing in the bullpen, or are you just talking about them doing some stretching and kind of just getting their bodies loose?
4: Oh, they should have been stretching in the eighth inning. When, Hes- when Hesley went out there in the eighth inning, I mean, you you know it was injury. You know that, you know, you, you need to be ready. You need to be in the Okay, I, I, I'm sorry. I think
2: I—I I don't think I made clear what I was asking. I'm sorry, because— you said that you disagreed with me. I can tell you I've talked to I, I've talked to a lot of pitchers in my life. And one of the things that pitchers hate is when they go get warm in the bullpen and then they're not used. And there's actually in the minor leagues a lot of organizations have rules about how often you can actually warm somebody up inside of a game and not use them. And if you if you warm them up a certain amount of times in a game and don't use them, then not not only they're not even available the next day. So there is a cost to warming up. Now there's not a cost to stretching. There's not a cost really to soft toss, but when you've got guys truly warming up and getting ready and throwing pitches out there, there is a cost to that.
4: Absolutely, but you know that's the last inning. When when Hesley goes back out there in the ninth, you got two guys ready to go and just in case something the, bus, the the wheels fall off the bus. And it was clearly something was not right, as Benji said earlier in the show. You know he he knew something was up, and he thought that you know it was his finger. You know, and I, I just believe people should have been ready. There's yeah, that, that I you know what?
2: I, I I agree with you on that. I appreciate the phone call. Uh, I've I've kind of come around on this as I as I've listened to folks talk. I I'm not quite sure when the move should have been made, but I can I there should I, I would say Oliver Marmel probably should have had somebody up earlier. Now when up earlier in the ninth inning, again we can go through it. Is it after the JT Robuto base hit or is it after the Bryce Harper walk? And it was after the Bryce Harper walk. um, But it was really, it was the Castellanos walk where it really felt like something bad was happening. But. Yeah, like w- once you get somebody on, like w- even in that real muto single, even though you're not worried about that, that might be the moment to get somebody soft tossing, to get somebody just up stretching, have somebody good to go. And I'd have to like I, again, I wasn't keeping a close eye on the bullpen. I don't know exactly when guys started uh, warming up and started throwing in the bullpen, but I, I would bet that if Oliver Marmol had it all over to do again, maybe he would have gotten people up in the bullpen, just maybe one batter. Sooner than he actually did. All right, 314 436 7900. 314 436 7900. That's the number to call. We'll get back to phone calls uh, later on in the hour. Up next, we are set to be joined by uh, Ryan Fagan. He write, covers uh, baseball for the sporting news. He covered today's game. He joins us next. It's Sports Open Line, the strike zone right here on KMOX.
0: We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.
1: Welcome back to the Strike Zone, powered by Graybar on America's Sports Voice, KMOX.
2: The Cardinals lose to Philadelphia today, 6-3. Welcome back into the program. My name is Matt Pauley. continuing to broadcast live from Bush Stadium. We're very happy to uh, welcome onto the program somebody. I don't think he's here anymore. I think he's left. He's, uh, he's Ryan Fagan. He is a senior Major League Baseball writer for the Sporting News. Follow him on Twitter at Ryan, F-A-G-A-N. Ryan, are you still here, or are you have you made it home?
5: I, I have made it home. I left there about uh, 40 minutes ago, so... Uh, yeah, made it made it back. Made it back safely, helped, helped kiddo with bedtime. That's the goal for tonight.
2: All right, very good. What So as that ninth inning is going down, what's going through your mind?
5: I mean, it was – what was going through my mind, quite honestly, is this is why it's impossible to predict the playoffs, right? And this is why I never have any problem when I'm wrong with the prediction because, like, the stuff that happened in that inning – there's no way you can see it coming, right? And in Ryan Helsley's last 29 innings of the regular season, he walked eight people, right? In his entire Major League career, Alec Boehm was the 698th batter he's faced in the regular season and postseason, only the second one he's ever hit with a pitch, right? I mean, how does that happen? And then to have, basically, they bring in Andre Pilante to get ground balls, and he serves up, Three ground balls, basically right at three fielders, and the Cardinals get zero outs out of those three ground balls. You know, Quante coming in doing exactly what they want of him. So, you know, I mean, sometimes stuff just happens, right? You know, and it felt like um, when the ball skipped by Arnato it just felt like you know the, the wheels have completely come off. And you know, it's the the thing about that inning, and we saw when you know the Cardinals mounted a little bit of a rally in the bottom of the ninth, is it's not just that the Phillies took the lead. They took the lead and then they made it a big lead, you know, to the point that the Cardinals enter the bottom of that ninth looking at realistically, they need a grand slam to tie that game. And, you know, it's just, it's, it's a a stunning turn of events that reminds me of the game earlier this year where the Mets mounted that, mounted that big rally in the ninth inning and came back and took a big lead um, heading into it. And I think that in October is key. You have to put teams away. You know, the Cardinals never quite did that, and then the Phillies did it, even though it was a completely unexpected manner in which it happened.
2: I have spent the last two hours taking phone calls from Cardinals fans who almost unanimously, I've been on an island here, they have been unanimous unanimous in believing that Oliver Marmel is responsible for what happened in the ninth inning. Is there much culpability when it comes to the way Marmol managed the ninth?
6: Well, I
5: mean, it's it's full. It's not fully his fault. I mean, you know, we talked about uh, just talking about. You know, they bring in uh, Palante because he's good at getting around balls, and they served up three ground. He served up three ground balls. That's exactly what Marmol wanted him to do: is get a ground ball, and it just didn't happen to go the exact right way. I mean, if the ball to Edmund, you know, he should have got it anyway. He should have at least knocked it down to, to keep two runs from scoring. But if he, if it's a foot to his left, you know, he starts double play, and the game's over. Right, I think if there's anything, you know, he he maybe should have had somebody warming up a little sooner before the mm. second walk. You know, I mean, the the thing with with you know he, he we look back at it and say, well, he walked two guys in a row. He was up on Bryce Harper. He was ahead in count one and two, right? And you know, his next couple pitches were 101 and 102. It's not like he was looking like he had lost it at that point. I think. The problem is when he walked Castellanos on five pitches, then all of a sudden it's very clear he doesn't have his stuff, but because he's been so good, they didn't have anyone else warming up because it was his game. You know I mean? He looked really good through the first couple batters. And even the single that, that JT Real Muto had to start the whole thing, I mean, it had the exit velocity of like 76 miles an hour. It's not like he was right on a Helsley pitch and laced it into the gap or anything. So, you know, I mean, I think if there's anything – you you can look at it and say, okay, well, it's the postseason. You have to have somebody ready no matter what, especially in the second inning. But I'm not so sure that wasn't a case of just everything that could go wrong went wrong. The the, the margins did not go in the Cardinals' favor. Um, and, you know, we see how, how poorly that happened. But if you ask anyone on that team and you say, okay, well, do, are you okay – with a ground ball being hit to Edmund, a ground ball being hit to Goldschmidt, and a ground ball being hit to Arnado, every single player in that in that clubhouse will tell you, "Yeah, let's give me that, give me those. I'll take my odds every time." It just it just didn't work out in this game. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's a, a, a hugely important moment.
2: I'm with you, and again, I, what I did earlier is I, like, I went moment by moment because Helsley looked good in the eighth, and then he comes out for the ninth, and he strikes out Hoskins, and okay, he gives up a base hit to Real Muto. There's no reason to be worried at that moment, and there's no real reason to be worried about the Harper walk. You mentioned he's ahead in the count, and it's Bryce Harper. He gets walked all the time. There's not right. a red flag, uh, really, until the Castellanos walk.
5: Yeah, I mean, I guess you could look back, and, you know, uh, Marmol said afterwards when he was asked about it that Helsley said that as the inning went on, he kind of lost a bit of feeling on the ball. You know, I guess maybe you can go back and look, and I haven't done this. I don't know if this is the case, but maybe if Helsley was flexing his hand or giving any sort of indication um, during the Harper at bat or when Castellanos was up, maybe that's a a question. But, you know, I mean, it it happened so quickly. Really within one batter, he went from being in, in. not in control of the game because there were two guys on when he walked Harper, but like you said, it's Bryce Harper, right? Of all the people that the Phillies wanted in that situation with a chance to tie the game, it's Bryce Harper, a lefty facing Ryan Helsley with a runner on base. So it's okay to be, to be careful with him, especially when you have in Castellanos and Alex Bohm, the next two guys coming up right-handed hitters against a right-handed Ryan Helsley he's done pretty well against them this year so I mean it's, it's you know it says well why in the world was he out there but you know I mean he healthy said he was good to go and he believed he was good to go and through the first four batters he was good to go and then the problem was how quickly that changed and yes maybe he should Marmol could have planned for that by having somebody up and ready to go when he walks the second guy when he walked Castellanos but you know, I mean I, I'm not sure uh, I'm not sure how valid that is. That's not the way they've operated all season and the way they've operated all season has, has gone pretty well
2: yeah so in moments like these, people are very quick to focus on the pitching and those changes They're never in that spot if they score some more runs they they scored two runs they didn't score for the first six innings uh they they had opportunities and they don't come up with the big hit. I feel like there should be a little bit more blame here placed upon the hitters for not coming up with- sc- runs scored. I know it's the playoffs it's hard to score runs in the playoffs, but you're in that spot because it's a two nothing game
5: yeah you're you're right and you know I think that the, the, when you look at, you know, when you, I was kind of watching the baseball, uh, the box score on Baseball Savant, which has the extra velocities and distances and all these things. And, you know, the Cardinals have, I think, like five, seven of the nine hardest hit balls in the game. You know, Arnato said after the game, he thought absolutely that was a home run when he hit with Goldsmith on base. And, you know, you could see by his reaction, he was shocked when it didn't get out. You know, even the, the second batter, Of the game, pujols, you hit the line drive to center field. You know, that was 108 miles an hour coming off the bat. And you feel pretty good about that, the chances of that doing some damage, especially with Newpar already on base. I mean, a a different date, maybe it's a little bit warmer. That ball carries to the wall and Newpar scores from first base and it's a different thing. So, you know, I mean, they they did hit the ball hard. Uh, They just hit it at people or it didn't carry. So, uh, I mean, I think when you look at situations looking back, it was the, what was it, the seventh inning when they had two guys on and nobody out and Pujols, Goldschmidt, and Arnado coming up. I think that was kind of the game, you know, looking back at it. Because then you had Zach Wheeler was, he pitched further into the game at that point than he had since mid-August because he's had injury issues. He's gone on the IL. and They've been very careful with him coming back. So he was into the 80, mid-80 pitch count, and he hadn't been that way in a month or so. And you have basically the hottest hitter in the NL in the second half and two top five MVP candidates coming up if you're the Cardinals you feel pretty good about that but you know as we know who will sit into the double play and then Goldschmidt grounded out that scenario plays out you know 25 times and what 15 of those they score at least one run it just didn't happen this time
2: and now this puts them in a spot where tomorrow Miles Michaelis has got to go out and pitch well, and their bullpen probably isn't put together the way they'd like it to be put together, but you, you have to win tomorrow to force a game three. Yeah, and
5: I think you know, the, the thing about tomorrow's game is um, when you look at Aaron Nola's season, and you, you know, the starting pitcher for the Phillies, and you say, okay, well, he had a 3.25 year, and right? that's pretty good. To me, the 3.25 ERA is a little bit deceitful when you look at the story of how good Aaron Nola has been this year. You know, his, his fielding independent p- pitching, his FIP, is like 2.58. His strikeout-to-walk ratio is crazy. It's 8.1 uh, strikeouts for every walk that he issues. He's you know, a lead. I think he led the league in only 1.3 walks for nine innings. He doesn't give free bases. He's challenging hitters a lot more this year. I asked him about it in the pregame interview session. He said, I just figured I'm tired of giving people free bases. I want to challenge guys. And it's worked out very well for him. He's absolutely the kind of guy that can go out and win a game on his own. His last start in the regular season, he carried a perfect game into the seventh inning in Houston against the Astros when the Astros were fielding their full postseason lineup. this is a guy that's capable of going out and dominating and I think if you're a Cardinals fan, that's what worries you as much as anything, is he's capable of going out there and giving eight solid innings, which limits, for the Phillies, it limits the exposure to their bullpen, which has been a weak spot for them this year.
2: He is Ryan Fagan. Follow him on Twitter at Ryan, F-A-G-A-N, senior Major League Baseball writer with Sporting News. It's been a long day. Ryan, thanks for making it a little bit longer and uh, coming on with us.
5: Appreciate it. Thanks for having me,
2: Matt. All right, there's uh, Ryan Fagan. We'll take a break. When we come back, more of your phone calls as we'll continue to dissect everything that went down today. This is Sports Open Lines, the Strike Zone. We're back with more in a moment on KMOX.
1: Welcome back to the Strike Zone, powered by Graybar on America's Sports Voice, KMOX.
2: We do continue on here on a Friday night coming off the Cardinals losing to the Phillies by a 6-3 score. Tomorrow it is game number two of the series. Miles Michaelis against Aaron Nola, seven thirty-seven for first pitch. Our coverage is going to begin at 6 o'clock with uh, network coverage, excuse me, 6.30 for network coverage tomorrow. What's On Deck? Sponsored by Chesterfield Fence and Deck at chesterfieldfence.com. Continuing to take your phone calls, we've had some folks be very, very patient waiting. That includes, uh, I believe, Russ has given us a call. Russ, you are on Sports Open Line. Uh,
7: yes, thanks for having me. Uh, my comments, is, you know, is it, it, a playoff game. And going into that ninth inning, he should have had somebody already warming up, regardless of who you had in there as your closer. Uh, I would have acted much more quickly uh, because of the finger injury and what could be going wrong than what he waited for too long to do it. Uh, The other thing I have a question about is when they had the bases loaded, uh, did, did we bring the infield in for the double play?
2: Brought the infield in for a play at the plate.
7: I would not have done that. You know, you you need two outs to double play. We've got an infield that turned over 100 double plays this year. We led the majors in in turning over double plays. And if we don't turn a double play, the worst they do is tie the game. But when you pull that infield in, it makes it a lot easier for the ball to get through there for base hits like that one that the Gurry hit, it just squeezed right through there.
2: Yeah, so, Russ, basically what they were gambling on was that there was a better shot of getting the runner out at home as compared to turning a double play against Segura because Segura has such good speed.
7: I, I understand that. But we've yeah. played against a, a number of guys who've had good speed, and, and we, we turned double plays over r- miraculously. I mean, we've done some great things turning double plays over this year. I think we just kind of uh, got scared, you know, and, and went with how it should be but not what is practical.
2: All right, Russ. I appreciate the phone call. Look, it worked out earlier in the game. There was the there was the situation with the runner on the third and less than two outs, and they got the ground ball, and they were able to look the runner back and then go over to you know and then make the out. It's a little bit different because the runner doesn't go in a bases loaded situation. The runner has to go. I. I don't think there's anything wrong with gambling that you've got a better chance. You've got a ground ball pitcher there that you have a better chance of getting the out at home as opposed to a chance of doubling off Segura. So they, they wanted to keep the lead. That, they, they were playing for the lead right there. You, so the caller just now said they were playing scared. You don't, they were playing to keep the lead. That's the opposite of playing scared. Uh, because when you play the infield in, you want to get the out at home and you're, just, you're evaluating, what do, we, what do we have a better chance of doing as a team? Do we have a better chance of throwing the runner out at home on a ground ball, or do we have a better chance of turning a double play? And so it was Segura at the plate, and they noticed Segura's speed, so they made the decision that statistically they had a better chance of getting the runner out at home. Those were the only two uh, outcomes that they were um, judging against each other, and it didn't work out. It it did not work out. That is one thing. I'm not saying it was the right move, but I will. I, I didn't have a problem with it. And sometimes the right move doesn't work, and sometimes the wrong move does work. I don't think that was the wrong move. Uh, if they would have been playing back, playing for the double play, I would have been just as fine with that. But uh, I, I trust their decision-making process. Dan has given us a call. Hey, Dan, you're on Sports Open Line.
8: Hey, how you doing? One minor point before I make my major points. uh that runner now grades out as fast as Paul the Young. He used to be fast. He no longer is. So he should have looked at the present-day analytics on that. As far as what he did in the ninth inning, Benji was trying not to throw anybody under the bus, but he knows, and Maddox should have known. Yachty would have told him. Look for 15 pitches. They let him throw 33 pitches. That's almost another couple of pitches he would have thrown half as many as Quintana. That's ridiculous. You said yourself you'd rather pull him early and late, he didn't do that with Helsley. Mm-hmm. And here's a point where Ollie was totally in the moment and got lost. After the second walk, he could have gone out as an injury as he did on the next after the next batter. He could have gone out using an injury as a reason for going out after the second walk. and absolutely they could have got Helsley pulled out because of the injury and let whoever came in warm up and get as fresh as he needed. So the fact is, him not having anybody ready, they probably could have gone in after the first walk and pulled Helsey due to an injury uh, and brought in anybody and given him enough time to get warmed up. Ollie was lost in the moment, and he did lose this game.
2: I appreciate the phone call. He didn't lose the game, but I do. I, I think the point inside of there that you made that was really good was you go – He's coming off an injury. Helsley is coming off an injury, and after the second walk. I think we can all – there's been a lot of areas on, during this show where we have disagreed on things. I think one area that we can all agree on, that it was pretty clear that Helsley uh, had something wrong when, uh, by the time he issued the second walk. For some people, they've called, and they have felt like it was the first walk. It was the hit, hit given up to Real Muto. But I, at the very least – all of us can agree that by the time there was the second walk issued, that it did feel like something was up, something was wrong. And um, that, would have been, that would have been the moment for a mound visit. I think the caller is right when saying you go out there with the trainer because he's coming off the finger thing, and you can use that as the excuse to at least go out and say, is everything okay? And that does give you a little bit of extra time with the bullpen there. All right. Uh, we told you that we would replay some of Ollie uh, Marmel's. We have talked so much about him. Let's. Uh, I'm sure some folks out there have not here heard his full uh, post game comments. So we'll play uh, some of those for you coming up in uh, just a moment as we uh, will wrap up the program in our next segment. But if you missed any of what Oliver Marmel had to say after the game, you'll hear it next here on Sports Open Lines, the Strike Zone on KMOX.
1: Welcome back to the Strike Zone, powered by Graybar, on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. We do
2: continue on here on a Friday night starting to wrap up uh, what was our full-day coverage of Cardinals baseball, Cardinals lose to the Phillies. Look, we have spent the last two-plus hours. I've taken tons of phone calls. A lot of people are very unhappy with Cardinals manager Oliver Marmel and the way the ninth inning played out and his role in that. He answered a lot of questions during his media session. We'll replay that for you, at least some of it. And he did start by talking about uh, what they found out when they went out to the mound to uh, first speak. With Ryan Housley
6: yeah once we went out there he said he started to lose a little bit of feel for his uh, pitches um, so I would have to say yes yeah he felt good when he came off the first time went back out uh, no issues early on but then said he started to lose feel so what do you have to do in that spot how quickly do you have to kind of get a read on it I mean, a couple walks obviously but he can get it back then the hit batter is just yeah the hit the hit batter is enough uh you're hoping he gets it back. He's been super reliable all year. Obviously, we were aware of the, the issue with the finger. Won an issue early on, didn't show any signs of it. Um, once you go back-to-back walks, you're, you're thinking this is the last hitter. And uh, hit by pitch definitely ends it. End. is there any
7: hesitation to pitch in multiple innings, not knowing what that might look like after?
6: You have to just treat that as, hey, if he's good to go and the doctors say he's good, that's how you that's how you treat him? Yeah, you check every box. Um, we've been honest with each other all year. You say you're good to go, and then you're good to go. Yeah, Katie? Ollie, what
4: came down to the decision between Polante and Jack?
6: Yeah, that was a tough one. Um, you're sitting there, uh, Segura's a high ground ball guy, 60% ground ball guy against righties all year, Polante's. High, high ground ball guy, that matchup has it above 70%. You got one out. Uh, the situation is basically you want to end the game there with the ground ball double play. If there's two outs, I go to Jack and go for the punch out. So um, you're just playing the outs and probability there.
1: When you're looking at the defensive
4: positioning there, it looked like maybe Edmund was playing a little shallow in terms of the double play.
6: Yeah, Segura could run and he can easily just tap something in and play and, and get going. So you want to make sure if it's not hit hard, you can get it out at the plate and give yourself a chance. If it's hit hard, then you're turning the double play. So he's positioned correctly there.
5: John? Oh, that was a conversation I was going to have. Was there a conversation about playing the, the middle infielders back? You got the double play ball, or you got the ground ball you wanted. Was yeah. there a conversation about playing back for the double play?
6: Um, yeah, we're in what we call a next play there, where you're, you're tight enough that if it's hit soft, you're going to the plate. If it's hit hard, you can turn it. Um, you're going to have to get the right ground ball to get Segura. He can run. So, you have to defend against both. So, um, even if he's two steps back and has to go glove side, you're not turning that double play on Sergio. Yeah. Jeff? It, it moves, I guess, some of its meaning with the way the game turned out, but that moment
5: for Yepes there in the seventh, you know, that was a spot that we talked about this morning that sort of manifested itself in an important way was the importance of that to just to get the offense going a little bit.
6: Yeah, everybody has their role on this roster, and they understand kind of where they fit and how they're going to fit into the game. Um, Yepes came in exactly what we talked about and uh big swing, two-run homer uh, to get us going there. And then uh, same thing with Gorman. We talked about the versatility of being able to come in if they tie it after, and uh, he came out with a base hit, so the guys did their job, unfortunately. That last thing got away.
7: Alden? Oliver, do you know what this means for Ryan Helsley moving forward?
6: Not yet. Uh, No, we'll go in and get a feel for it. If I had a a guess, we'll get some images and uh, see if there's anything structurally wrong, and uh, if not, we'll make a decision whether he continues or if he's down.
5: John, Did he tell you when he the eighth inning, did he experience any of that after the eighth inning or did did he not have the numbness until the ninth?
6: Yeah, nothing at all. So.
5: You've leaned on him heavily all season. He's meant everything to you. If, if you don't have him going forward, how, how tough is that?
6: Uh, we've had guys step up all year. If he goes down, someone else has to step up and do that job. So it's part of it. No one's going to feel sorry for us, I'll tell you that.
4: The way things unraveled in the Nines just seems so uncharacteristic for this club, known for its composure and keeping calm. How do you feel like that trade is going to help them wash this game and bounce back for game two?
6: Um, I think we'll be fine. I mean, the, these guys all year have done a nice job of whether we win a big game or lose a big game. And the next day's a new day. This will be no different. Uh, we know what's at stake. We either win or go home. Um, we'll embrace that. Derek. Ali, uh, just a quick follow. up Two questions. One follow-up on the Helzi. He had thrown so many pitches. Was it possible he might not be available, anyway, that, tomorrow? Possibility. So as you're thinking about that, the importance of winning this game. Wh- what's your, what do you think about like tomorrow? How how you might close out a game? Is it is that go in at all to like a Flaherty, Palante decision? Uh, yeah, that's why Palante continues there. Because uh, if not. Jack may get some meaningful outs at the end of the game. So. And the last thing I want to ask you about the offense. Obviously, Wheeler and Quintana both pitched very well. Do you yeah. feel like there were some moments out there where there's more offense to be had for you? I felt pretty darn good about our offense. You look at the first nine hitters, you had about four or five balls in play over 95. I, I thought we took really good swings off of uh, Wheeler. He did a nice job. He competed well. He made pitches. But uh, for as hard as we hit balls, uh, for him to throw up zeros was was impressive. Um, we had a good approach, yeah.
0: Rick? Uh, touching on the offense a little bit, when you had two on and nobody out, Albert and Goldschmidt coming up, did you feel that was a chance to maybe take a little, little jump on the game
6: there? Uh, Yeah, and took a shot, and they're both competing. And uh, Wheeler won. But uh, absolutely, you got two guys on and Albert, as hot as he's been, yeah, you're feeling good about that. Sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. Ben.
4: Holly, what did you make of Q's performance today? And the decision, the, the pitching stacked up after that like you wanted, you just didn't get the results you wanted. Did you wrestle at all with lifting him when you did, or was it was it exactly what you wanted there?
6: Um, we knew coming into this game that there was a possibility that they throw in two righties um, between the lefties there in order for us to make a decision. Um, at that point in the game, we felt good about going to our pen and, and lining it up the way we did after the shorebur at bat. You could have easily taken him through the two righties and then Harper. Um, we'd be asking the same questions if you walked Hoskins and were able to hit a two-run homer. So... Uh, we, we liked the way we lined it up yeah. Take, what do you, sorry what do you think about how he, how he performed? Oh he was awesome. Uh, I love the way he competed um, everything you would expect out of the guy that you name one um, but uh unbelievable job uh, mixed his pitches um, kept guys off balance a lot of soft contact early um, exactly what what you would expect out of cube he he took this game no different than any other he competed extremely well.
2: That was Cardinals manager Oliver Marmel speaking with the media uh, now a few hours ago, and just uh, after the game wrapped up. And there's your answers. Like we we can sit here and we can argue, and, and you can agree or you can disagree with him. But I feel like he is he he does answer the questions. Um, at the end of the day, if he had to do all over again, would have he maybe had a pitcher up? a little bit sooner? Is that something maybe he does differently uh, when, you, uh, when you're when you playing in playoff games in the future? Maybe. I don't think it's completely fair to completely put this on him. There are a lot of, maybe it's a vocal minority, maybe it's a majority of people, I don't know. But there's a lot of people who want to put all the blame on him. And um, yeah, I don't, I don't I don't think you put all the blame on him. And just as uh, Ryan Fagan said earlier, a lot of things went wrong that you don't expect to go wrong. It was a very unexpected turn of events. All right, that's it for uh, this edition of Sports Open Line. Enjoy talking with everybody, even if we disagreed, That's all right. It's okay to disagree with folks. Tomorrow, Miles Michaelis against Aaron Nola, 737 first pitch. Our coverage begins tomorrow at 630.